Hello, it is I. It's Jacqueline Kitzman. This is the Awakened Tarot Podcast. Hello. Hi, guys, y'all, my friends. War and the right of people to decide if they want to be pregnant or not. And the watching the news can feel like such a hard thing or paying attention can feel very difficult. I get that. And again, I'm just going to say don't get fatigued because we're fatigued now, but nothing has changed. I said that last week. I'll say it again this week. Um, The fact that nothing has changed, but we are saying less. This is going to sound so stupid, but like, so the thing about TikTok is that things that are trending are going to get played to your For You page, regardless of whether you're interested in it or not. And mine went from being all about Ukraine for a month and then then, then nothing. And then all about Roe v. Wade and then nothing. And then all about COVID and then nothing. And then all about monkeypox and then nothing. And it's because we're all, humans are very adaptable. We adapt very easily to our surroundings and to what's there. But the second we stop caring, we allow things to just kind of go, we sweep it under the rug and then we ignore it. And it allows the things that happen that are bad to get unequivocally, unequivocally, that's not a word. I'm not going to try to say it again because I can't. Um, It makes it irrevocably, that's a word though, worse. So, you know, just pay attention to that. Search your heart for the things that you care about and spend some time. I would challenge you this week digging into research in ways that we can help some of the more prominent things happening in the world right now. I think that is super and very important. Um, So listen, I keep saying this every week as we dig into like what card we're talking about, but I could have sworn up and down, like holding me up to a cliff itself. This is ironic and you'll hear it in a minute like pushing me off a cliff itself. Like if the choice was stay on cliff or push off cliff and I had to answer a question of whether or not we had covered the fool or not, I would have said we had. And then I would have fallen very from a very far height because we have not covered the fool yet, even though I feel like I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. So let's dig into the fool today. To start, we are using the Smith Rider weight because it's the most universally recognized um, in tarot. So in the Smith Rider Waite version, in a lot of tarot versions, um, I think there's only a few where the Fool is not card zero, but in the Smith Rider Waite and most commonly the Fool is card zero, it's unnumbered. Um, the Fool depicts a person and they are standing um, on the edge of a cliff, a small white dog kind of in the same like fro- almost frolicking half, almost like skipping position that the human is in. Um they are made to look like a vagabond. So in one hand, they have like a, a white rose. And in the other hand, they have one of those sticks with a sack at the end of it. The fool is wearing a very brightly colored robe. Um, and a fa- the sun is behind them. Their face is up to the sky. The card is very yellow. And you can see that there's ice and pointy cliffs and like jagged things when you know in the background so one could assume that there's pointy jagged things potentially at the bottom of the cliff but we don't know because we can't see it um and the fool doesn't know because they're not looking down they are looking up um one of the things that like one of the metaphors i really love to talk about this card is that it can very often feel like i don't remember which very tall bird uh is said to when it rains look up at the sky and then like accidentally drown but that is the very much the energy I get with the fool in this picture here. Like just very much like, oh, it is raining. Let me lift my head to the sky. Just that naivety of the human condition, the beauty of the human condition is that 
we learn through the experience of things. Um, the fool is tabula rasa. This is a term, and I've said this before, but I'll repeat it now because we are talking primarily about the fool. Tabula rasa is a term specifically used in like child psychology about the fact that it's a, it is a conversation. It's not proven, but it is a conversation around the fact that when we are born, we are born completely empty vessels. Like we need to be filled with information and knowledge. And so I want to say two things. I agree with the concept of tabula rasa. And I also don't. I think I agree in regards to the human experience and the human condition. I very much am a believer in nature versus nurture, that some of this is what we are born with and some things are how we are made. There's a book series. Just hang with me. I know that this, I know I'm nuts. Um, But there is a book series that I just finished reading called Throne of Glass. It's by Sarah J. Mass. And one of the biggest thematics throughout the entirety of that series is are we born or are we made to be something? There's a character, Manon, and she is this witch, okay? And she, witches in this series are, they have iron teeth and iron nails and they are meant to kill and destroy. And they're all like, they're all this like mean, but you find out towards the end that witches weren't like, aren't supposed to be that way, that there's another way. And I get that it's witches. I'm not saying that witches are mean and sharp toothed or anything, The point is, and the concept is, and it happens thematically through a lot of characters in the series, is are we born to be bad or can we do bad things or are we born to be good? It's a very beautiful metaphor of the human experience that I think the fool takes us along to. So tabula rasa, the idea is that we are born blank slates. I would agree that when we are born, as far as life experience goes, as far as things we know, We don't know anything. That's why we're put in magician first and not high priestess. It would be really fucking weird if we entered high priestess first with all of this knowing and then entered the magician. That would be a weird concept. Um, There's this thing that goes along with child psychology and that we have childhood amnesia. Like we don't remember being born. We don't remember our first few years of life. I think if most people, if they go back to their earliest memory, they're going to have maybe little like jagged bits and pieces of maybe the time when they were two or three, but it'll be really hard to distinguish about whether or not that's a real memory or if it's something that you've just been told so many times or you've seen so many pictures, your brain is kind of cobbled together for you. So in The Fool, in card zero, we are are fresh and we are new and we have, and we are carefree and we are there to learn. And The Fool will look a lot like my toddler who doesn't understand that standing on a chair is dangerous. Like it just seems fun. The fool in this picture is standing on the edge of a cliff. They have no idea that this is a dangerous thing. They just think to themselves, wow, this is fun. And there's a concept, I think specifically in Montessori type ideals and gentle parenting ideals that risky play for young children is good. That by preventing your child from doing things like climbing, like standing on a chair or standing somewhere more precarious, or climbing on furniture in a way that most people would deem unsafe, that by letting your child do that, or by not letting your child do that, you are inhibiting their ability to experience cause and effect. Now, this does not mean that, like, I, you ignore your child doing something dangerous. Like, no, it just means you're there to offer support. So, like, Evie, I'll observe her. I don't put my hands on her. I just observe next to her. So, she is safe. If she were to fall, I'm right there. And I can catch her like I don't want her to experience unnecessary harm, but I am allowing her to engage in risky play behavior because it is going to show her better than me just 
constantly taking her off something, what is safe for her and what is not. This is pertinent to the fool because this is a person who's standing on the edge of a cliff and they have no fucking idea that jumping could be dangerous. They are literally skipping along and the dog is following them, right? Throughout The Fool, I think one of the really beautiful things is that you have this very domesticated dog. This isn't a wolf. This is a chihuahua in this picture. I mean, it's not a chihuahua, but it's small. It's chihuahua-like. And that's a domesticated dog. The Fool is wild and feral and is completely a product of the environment that they're it, that they're in because they don't know any better. They have nothing else. The whole point of the fool is that the fool is card zero because it goes through. It, it's kind of like an overlay in a book, right? Like you could lay the fool and their journey over every single card in the tarot and the fool becomes that archetype. It becomes that lesson. It becomes that thing. That's the beauty of the fool is that the more and as you go through those cards, you add those pieces of knowledge into the little bag that they carry on their back into that satchel. And the same way that we, through experience and life experience, add things into that satchel, into our own satchels. That's what we're doing. Through that journey, as it relates back to that dog, we're going through a process of domestication. We are not like we have rules that we that we delve into. It's almost like the dog is like joyfully guiding us into the experience of being human. Not that not that the goal is for us to be completely a part of society and domesticated. Again, this is supposed to be just a metaphor for the concept of we are born completely nature and through the process of growing up, we do become domesticated um, and we become parts of society and we come, we become kind of what is systemic in the town community that we live in. And this is why, you know, you see people who thrive sometimes in the small towns they're born in and you see other people leave. It completely depends on your own journey and that satchel that you carry with you and where your little dog of domestication and societal norms encourages you to go to. In The Fool, the beauty of The Fool here is that they don't know what they're doing, but they're going to learn from experience. They don't have any fear because they've never experienced fear. The thing that we learn in The Fool is we learn to distinguish what's fun and what's not fun, what is good and what's not good. It's a card that we go into the first time we get our heart broken. Well, now we know what it's like to get our heart broken. So we're maybe going to be a little more hesitant the next time. We're not just going to willfully jump. And the problem is, is that sometimes the fool is a reminder that, hey, you've done this before and you knew what happened. And sometimes the fool is a reminder that you have to embrace your more feral side. You have to get rid of that domestic, that idea of domestication and jump into something the fool is all of us when we pick up a tarot deck, like, wow, yeah, fun party trick. That was me. I've told my story about how I first started reading tarot drunk on very many margaritas at a, my birthday party. It was a mistake. I don't recommend. But the point being, like, you jump into tarot, you get the fool, you become the fool. And now you're kind of you get to determine how far you're going to dive into this world. And you're going to learn through experience. You're going to go through each card and embrace each theme and each archetype. And the fool is going to start morphing into these different things. When we pull the fool in a reading, it is either a call to jump or a call to look down first. And I don't mean to simplify the fool to that extent, but it truly is a, the fool is a, it is a reminder for us to, to be foolish or to not be foolish. And there's pros and cons to both of those things right? Like we do want to learn 
that standing on the edge of a chair and rocking or dancing on a chair can get us hurt because we don't want to get physically hurt. But if we're not willing to risk something, we're also not willing to have also, we don't get that fun. We don't get that adrenaline. So, you know, like you can, if you had your heart broken and you're terrified of dating, you were the fool when you entered that relationship. And now you don't want to be the fool entering a different relationship, but it's high risk, high reward. You have to decide and you kind of have to gamble a little bit sometimes in the fool. The fool is an answer that of you don't know everything. The fool and the high priestess, I think it's very funny because you can see later on in the two of cups, it's the high priestess and the fool trading this intuition with each other. Um, and so the fool often reminds me of the high priestess. It's the high priestess is you know better and the fool is you don't fucking actually know better because each it's a reminder that each new experience, each new each new person you come in contact with, it's a new it's a new cliff. It's a new thing you can jump off of. It's totally new. It is a reminder that, hey, this person, like this person may break your heart, but they may not. But they may not. And it has nothing to do with what the last person did. It has everything to do with who they are as a person. Oh, you want to start a new business? Well, the last one didn't go well, but now you're not as foolish about things as you were. Now you know more than you did. It's such a, it is such a card it's such a nuanced card and it allows us to kind of toe the line between allowing us to be ignorant to some things while also looking down on us for being ignorant about things. Fools in regards to kind of this Renaissance medieval theme that Pamela, Pamela Coleman Smith has as the motif for the Smith Rider weight, the fools were jesters. The fools were musicians. The fools were, they were brought in to make people laugh. And they did this towing a fine line between being funny that that the royalty would laugh and being insulting and then getting their heads chopped off. So there was always this fine line that they were dancing. And that's the fool. It's someone that's dancing through life. We want to embrace the fool. We don't want to we don't want to push the fool away because we are the fool. We are all born into the fool. And it doesn't matter what archetype you're in when you really peel back the layers at the end of the day, you are the fool in that. We all are. And it's a really beautiful experience to remind us all that none of us actually know what we're doing. There's also a point in child psychology when your children, it happened really, really early for me. It usually happens between like 12 and 14, um, where all of a sudden you realize that your parents don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like you go from having complete and total faith, blind faith in your parents and like trusting them. And then you get to adolescence-ish time frame and you're like, oh my God, these people are fucking winging it. But the the point of that is it's this it's this awakening, right? Um it's this it's this understanding that like none of us know actually what we're doing. We're all just cause and effect. We're all just check and guess. That's 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 life. None of us know what the fuck we're doing. We are all at the end of the day, regardless of our age, winging it. Now, some of us may be better at doing something because we have tried and failed so many times that now we know what not to do. And so we kind of become experts in that. But the whole point is that you didn't get to be an expert at anything without being a big fucking fool first. You cannot do anything without having been foolish at it to begin with. And the foolish part, that's the drive. That's the instinct. That's the fun. 
the fun of it is jumping off a cliff and not knowing if you're going to get impaled on one of those big, sharp, pointy things in the background or if you're going to land somewhere soft. And that's the fool. It is kind of a, it is kind of a card of it's everything and it's nothing at once. It is steam. It's going to fill up a room and yet you're not going to be able to see it. It's a really beautiful reminder. And we are reminded this by the little flower in their hand that life is fragile, but life is beautiful. And you can, getting a rose is, let's just be honest here, picking a rose is complicated because they're beautiful and you and you want to pick it, but it's got thorns. You can't have that beautiful fragility, gorgeousness of life without having to navigate the thorns of the rose bush itself. You can't have that beauty. You can't have that that thing without getting around the thorns. And I think the other message of the flower in this fool's hand is that life is ephemeral. It's here and then it's gone. And we can pat ourselves away and never take any risks or second chances or anything like that. And we can be completely closed off to the world and never experience the wild, crazy beauty of it. Or we can and we can throw ourselves at things and we can throw ourselves even even though we don't fucking know. We can apply for a job even if we don't feel we meet all the credentials. We can speak our mind. We can ask that person out. We can start that business. We can write a book. We can run for city council. We can volunteer at organizations. We can vote because we do have a voice. You know, like all of these things, the fool is a reminder that all of life Physical, your physicality in this life is ephemeral. Your body and soul will go on. We reincarnation or the or the scientific fact that energy can't be created or destroyed, that's a tangible, realistic thing. But your time in this body as you are is ephemeral. It is beautiful, but it will die. It won't last. So we either learn to navigate the thorns of that rose bush that is life, or we don't. And that's our decision. But at the end of the day, every single one of us is a big fucking fool. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be reminded that I'm 29 years old and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. My dad is 55. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. There's never this magical, there are situations and there are categories and there are things that we are masters of, but we will never be masters of life itself ever. We will never master the game of life, ever. We can't. We are all, at the end of the day, fools. We are all just big tabula rasa beings trying to fill up our satchel with as many experiences as we can to take on to the next. So when you pull the fool, it is either a reminder to look up because, wow, rain is beautiful, or it's a reminder to look down because also, hey, don't trip. So yeah, um, I hope that this made sense. I hope that it was helpful. And as we all know, it is time for me to myself fling my body off of a very, very tall height and go (laughs) it's the collective reading. So last week we were in the re, I believe the reverse three of cups. And this week we are in the reverse king of pentacles, Coolio. Love that for us. Uh, This is the very last card of the tarot. I love when the King of Pentacles comes up because it's literally like the mic drop of the tarot itself. It said, okay, and goodbye. 
Um, this is someone who has created Eden. This is someone who's literally living in the Garden of Eden. They have created paradise for themselves. How do we do that? How do we create pockets of Eden this coming week? Choose love. If someone's really pissing you off, choose love. Love doesn't mean like, oh, let's be nice to everybody all of the time. Sometimes love means getting fucking pissed off. But choose love. Follow your heart. Make little Edens for yourself. If you know that you're if you know that this upcoming week is going to be difficult for you. Sorry if you heard that noise. It was me almost dropping you into my bone broth soup, um, which would have been bad. But the whole idea about Eden is that you can we can all create Edens. We can all create Edens. We can create Edens for our friends, Edens for our family, Edens for ourselves by following our heart and following that love. And this coming week, things will be a lot easier. Things will be a lot better if you follow that idea. Love yourself enough to take that extra amazing bubble bath. Have all of the pieces set up for yourself when you get home. Or, you know, um, for some people, this will look like either completely ignoring the dishes for a day and not letting yourself worry about it. Or it'll be it'll mean doing it the night before, you know, you have a big and kind of overwhelming day coming so that you don't have to deal with it the next day. It's going to look different for everybody. Some It'll look, maybe it'll look like your spouse or your partner really saying something fucking hurtful. And rather than giving an earful to them about it, asking them, hey, like, you seem really upset. And that really hurt my feelings. But I think it's because you're having a hard time with something and I'd like to help. Gabriel extends that grace to me all of the time. And it creates Eden for me. It gives me a place to express my emotions and at the same time, He's he's reminding me that I don't need to chew off everybody's head. Um, and it's beautiful. Um, it could be just listening to your friend or sibling or anything else about something that's going on in their life and giving them a safe place to lay down for a little bit. I think that when we follow the idea of unconditional and radical love and we love and we and we love really hard it gives people the ability to kind of rest safely and i think that this coming week resting safely and having little edens is going to be whether you make that for yourself or you help others cultivate it it's going to be really important usually when that comes up it means that we're going to be kind of coming into maybe a little bit of like a little bit of road hiccups nothing bad but you know like when things get kind of overwhelming we're creating edens for ourselves up front so we have a safe place to land <laughs> With that being said, I really want to thank everybody for the reviews we posted um, on the podcast. Uh, the 100 reviews we got between Apple and Spotify, we recorded on my Instagram. The handle is at Awakened Tarot. Um, we recorded Gabe pieing me in the face. I want you all to know that that pie was frozen. And when I was kicking my legs in that video, it's because Gabe was shoving my face into a very large, half frozen key lime pie. It wasn't like, whew like fluffy pie. It was a half frozen block of key lime pie. And Evie thought he was killing me. So you can hear at the end of the video her screaming. So it was absolute chaos. And it was so much fun. And I, the freedom of literally like not having to worry about like being clean with a fork, because there's already pie in your hair. It was liberating, truly liberating. It was a liberating experience. I recommend that all of us at some point have pies shoved in our faces quite literally. My challenge is that once we get to 200 between Apple and Spotify, I'm going to shove a frozen pie in his bearded face and it'll be epic and glorious. So I really appreciate you all rating, um, rating and reviewing and following the podcast are some of the best ways to help the podcast grow. Um, and I want you all to know that the podcast has been in the top 
in in the top 50 in the U.S. charts for spirituality and spirituality and religion, I don't know what the difference is, but it's two different categories for some unknown reason to me. Um, we've been in the top 50, and that's all because of you all and because of the listens and because of the sharing the podcast and because of the rating and reviewing. It means the world to me. And again, like I always say, like even like when I get a review that's not like five star, like even if it's lesser, like it it holds me accountable and helps me it helps me kind of take count in my head of, okay, this is what I could do better. I also wanted to take this chance to read something. So last week we talked about the Ten of Pentacles, and I got a message from one of my friends, Laura. Hi, Laura. Laura also recommended another podcast episode lately, which was super fun to do, and I really appreciate her for that as well. But so after I did the Ten of Pentacles reading, Laura sent me a message, and it was on the Ten of Pentacles, and it was really beautiful. And I want to read what she said because I think that she really did a good job of explaining it. So here, I'm going to read Laura's message to me. And I do have her permission to read this, by the way. She said, I also will sometimes see this as an equal investment card. With the two of pentacles, we're that sprite young character managing balance, and here we're this elderly masculine figure. And I attribute divine features to those represented in the card, so through the journey of tarot to become this elderly man, we have mastered discipline, planning, stewardship, protection, etc. over what we value. Each pentacle is placed on something important to this character, including himself, which I think will then usually correlate for making sure we remember that balance we learn in the beginning to invest in our homes, family, and community, but we must also invest in ourselves along the way. I really thought that was lovely. I will always read and love to hear about like little ideas, headcanons, or your own way of reading cards in my messages. So please send me those. I would love to read them, especially if I think that other people need to hear them as well. I really love how Laura connected that to the two of pentacles in regards to as you start kind of accruing these different pentacles, you are kind of creating an investment or stewardship, you know, not literal money and at you know, well, sometimes, but not, usually it is about accruing different physical, different physical life skills and using it on the outside, but investing in yourself, investing in your community, investing in your family, investing in your partner and your children, whatever that is, so that by the 10 of Pentacles, you kind of get this clear outline, this tree, and you can see for yourself how those things that you invested in, how they've bloomed, what they've become, the long-term um, success or the long-term growth of those things. And I really love that Laura pointed that out. I thought that was really beautiful and I wanted to share. So thank you, Laura, for that. Um, as we all know, I will bye-bye now. In ta-ta. <laughs>